Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. And so this morning, this one-off message I've entitled, Optimising Opportunities. We're going to start a new series next week, but today we're talking about optimising opportunities. Can you say that with me? Optimising opportunities. Feel like grade five, optimising. Look at the blackboard. Optimising opportunities. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Ephesians chapter five. I love the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 says it this way. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, Paul, the apostle, wrote the book of Ephesians. And when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, we're meant to ask the letters that he wrote questions in order to get deeper and greater understanding. And so when Paul writes, make the most of every opportunity, I ask myself the question, why did he write that? Why did he write that? This is a man who went to the third heaven. This is a man who had surpassing revelation. Revelation beyond the average person. Revelation beyond anything I've had or experienced. Has anyone here been taken up to the third heaven any time recently? No. And you would think with all this revelation, with all this information, with all this insight, Jesus, Paul might say, hey, got some new thoughts, got some great ideas. But he comes back with this, make the most of every opportunity. And I have to ask myself, why would he talk at such a base level when I'm sure he could talk at a much deeper theological level? And the answer that I get as I've mulled this over many times before is this. Paul wrote, make the most of every opportunity because we do not make the most of every opportunity. I know this is deep. Some of you theologians out there are struggling right now with the depth of what I'm bringing to you today. But Paul wrote, make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because we don't often make the most of every opportunity. Opportunities are like sunrises. If you wait too long, you miss them. And then he goes on to say, why we miss those opportunities. He says it's because we're not careful. He says because we lack wisdom. And he says because the days are evil. And when I hear Paul talking like that, I put myself in the story. And I imagine if I was there with Paul, he would be talking to me. We're 2,000 years from when this was written, but Paul's letters are still as poignant and as powerful as ever before. And what he was saying to the people back then is what he's saying to us here in Adelaide in 2023. Let's make the most of every opportunity. Let's be more careful, church. Let's be wiser, church. Why? Because the days we live in are evil. And if the days Paul lived in were evil, 
Fast forward 2,000 years later, do you think they've got less evil or more evil? We're living in evil days. But evil days are not an excuse to do what we want to do. Evil days are not an excuse for us to miss opportunities. Paul says, because we're in evil days, be careful and be wise in order that we might make the most of every opportunity. You see, here at this church, my passion is a passion for practice. Ever since I was a young lad, I've had a passion for practice. It was drummed into me at an early age. Knowledge is not power, but applied knowledge is power. If we don't put into practice what we learn, we haven't learned anything. That was just drummed into me. That was Keith Rainbow Theology 101. If we don't put into practice what we've learned, then Tony, we haven't learned anything. I got that over and over and over and over again. And if you've been in this church for a little while, guess what? You've got it over and over and over and over again. I'm not against theology. I'm not against this going a little bit deeper. I'm happy for you to supplement your faith and your theology with Bible college or, or online courses or, or extra curriculum in order to learn deeper, interesting things. I'm, I'm all for that. But the thing I'm going to ask every time is, are you practising what you're learning? And as good as Paul's theology was, and as deep as his theology was, and as surpassing as his revelation was, he was a man who was passionate, like me, for practice. Are you putting it into practice? Our kids all had their interests when they were younger, and particularly when it came to musical interests, and they all had their instruments. And we paid good money for them to have an instrument, but that instrument was of no value unless they practised it. And, and, and as parents, we would say, have you been practising? Because that guitar is not going to play itself. You're not going to get better at your craft if you don't practise. And we're not going to get better at our walk if we don't practise our walk. If we make excuses not to follow Jesus every time there's a stumbling block and every time there's an opportunity that we don't like, we're not going to grow. And the goal in this come follow me year is to be like Jesus and to follow Jesus. And so in order for that to happen, let's go as deep as we can with theology, but may it land in practice. I have a deep passion for practice. I tell all of our preachers, I want your preaching to be biblical, practical, and inspirational. In other words, I want you to inspire people to put the Word of God into practice. I know that's not deep, but that's what I desire. I want you to be inspired to put the biblical truths into practice. Not just sit around and talking about the latest ideas, as we see the men in Athens doing in Paul's day. Paul addressed those men in Athens in Acts chapter 17, verse 21. He says, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing. Nothing. Zip. Zilch. None. Nyada. I didn't even know that's a word. 
but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. In other words, what they wanted was the new thing, not the true thing. And I can't help but feel some 2,000 years later, we are enamoured with new. We love bright. We love shiny. We love new. We don't always like true. And often it's true that points us to new. Because when the truth of something hits hard enough, we don't like it and we feel the weight of it. We look for something new. When you think about relationships and you've got a new relationship and you're in love with being in love and all of a sudden now you're getting to know each other and you're getting to know not each other's good points but also their bad points and we get an opportunity to put into practice loving someone even in areas that aren't naturally lovable, that's true. And when we've got that pressure of true, what do we look for? New. I don't want to work on that. I'd rather find a new relationship. When we preach about forgiveness, and that's true, but I don't like true, so I'm going to look for a new church. Or I'm going to look for a new passage of Scripture. Or I'm going to look for something deeper that's more ethereal than the truth of putting the Word of God into practice. This is my passion. This is why I get up in the morning. And it's a motivation to me and a challenge to me. I am not standing up here as the expert. I'm not the guru. I'm on a journey just like you. But I know I need to hear this and I need to preach this because we need to be a people that hold on to the true, not just the new. Now, just so we're absolutely clear, is there anything wrong with new? Absolutely not. As long as it's not at the expense of true. So if God is nailing an area of your life, bringing conviction, about something. It could be in a meeting like this. It could be at the workplace. It could be at school. It could be in the home front. The temptation will be to ignore that and do something else. I remember when our kids were much younger and they had their chores and we asked them to do one thing. It's amazing when we asked them to do one thing that they didn't want to do, the 10 things that they would do that I didn't ask them to do. Anyone got kids like that? Anyone was that kid when they were younger? Anyone is that kid now? We have a way, it's human nature. We'll do anything but what we need to do. And I love the Holy Spirit because he's, got, he's patient, which means you can't outpatience the Holy Spirit. I'll just wait it out. How do you outweigh someone who's been there from the beginning of time to the end of time? You can't outweigh God. Just wait it out. Maybe you'll forget. He doesn't forget. (laughs) It's like Adam and Eve trying to hide behind a bush. How do you hide behind a bush when God is behind the bush? As far as the sea is, 
as far as the sky is, as far as the hills are. He's just everywhere. So the moment you get behind something, it's right where he is. You can't hide from God. You can't outweigh God. You can't outsmart God. You can't outthink God. And when you fully understand that, the best thing to do is just surrender. And in order to show our kids what Jesus was like, just like Jesus showed the world what the Father was like, we would say to them, you can't outweigh us. You can't outsmart us. And they learned something of the nature of God through us just holding our line and not giving up. And so they might come back, oh, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. I say, have you done that one thing? And we just hold them accountable to that one thing because that's what God does to me. And that's what God does for all of us. So we have this passion for practice. And so in this year of Come, Follow Me, I want to look at how we can become more careful and wiser, particularly in these days that are evil, when it comes to opportunities. And I want to read a passage of Scripture that's not the classic opportunity Scripture. And so turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 12. And I want to read from verse 9. It says, Going from that place, he went into their synagogue. This is Jesus. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Wow. Wow. Jesus does an incredible miracle. And the religious people that made up most of the room that day said, how do we kill this guy? Wow. And so when it comes to opportunity and why we don't tend to take those opportunities, I want to use this passage to highlight what Jesus did and what the man did. And then I want to conclude with a personal testimony of something that happened to me recently. And you're going to love that one. You're going to have a laugh at my expense, I promise you that. But when it comes to opportunity, number one, opportunity is often inconvenient. So we need to get wiser. Why don't we take opportunities? Because it's just it's inconvenient. In this account, we see that Jesus went to the synagogue, which I love. That, that was church of the day. I love that. If Jesus went to church, he's trying to model something. We should go to church. If there's one person who doesn't need to go to church, it's Jesus. So why did he go? To model something for us to follow. Come follow me. So Jesus goes to the synagogue. And I imagine Jesus is there to give glory to the Father. Jesus is there to possibly teach. But all of a sudden, there's some guy there. 
And at that moment, it's an inconvenience. Have you ever been at church and you just, just, you just, you want to get your seat? Because you've got your seat. Your name's not on it, but you, you consider it your seat. And so you push past people to get your seat. And if there was somebody who needed help, it's just, it's just inconvenient to stop. Why don't we take the most of opportunities? Because if we're honest, it's just inconvenient. This was not part of Jesus' plan. I do not believe Jesus woke up and said, I'm going to heal a man's hand today. It wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't convenient. Why? Because opportunities seldom are. They are seldom planned or convenient. And if we're going to get wise at taking them, we've got to be prepared for the inconvenient. I know this is very base. Can we not question how basic this is? Can we question whether or not we're doing it? And so Jesus is inconvenienced. He allows himself to be inconvenienced, number one. Secondly, opportunity is often disguised as a problem. See, the man that needed help, he didn't have the run-of-the-mill headache. He had a withered hand. And when you've got a withered hand and you pray for someone, you can't fake whether they've been healed or not. It's not like a headache. How are you feeling? Yeah, good. Great. Amen. People are going, if Jesus steps out and allows himself to be inconvenienced, he's still faced with a problem. Because this is, this, this is serious. This ain't one of those like little baby sicknesses. This is a man with a withered hand and, and people could see it. People knew about it. And if Jesus chooses to engage, it's, it's a problem. If it doesn't land, if it doesn't work. How many opportunities do we miss? Because what if it doesn't work? What if the money doesn't come in? What if I share my faith and they mock me? I dare say that most opportunities are missed because they're inconvenient and they present a problem to us. But what Jesus models is he's willing to be inconvenienced and he's willing to embrace this man's problem. Thirdly, the opportunity often comes with opposition. I would say stronger than that, that wherever there is an opportunity, there is always opposition. This incredible opportunity that was presented to Jesus required him to overcome the inconvenience. It required him to overcome the problematic nature of the situation. But now he's got to face probably the biggest hurdle and that's the opposition. Because now he's got a whole synagogue offside if he chooses to take the opportunity. So he's got the inconvenience factor. He's got the problematic factor. 
And now he's got the opposition. Why don't we take opportunities? Well, if I'm honest, because of those three things, because I don't like being inconvenienced. I don't like problems. And you know what? Opposition sucks. And what does Jesus do? He steps into inconvenience. He steps right into the middle of the problem. Senses opposition. Doesn't back off. Steps straight into the opposition. Says, let me ask you a question. Jesus is awesome. Love Jesus. So good. Says, um, if you're animals, if one of your animals, if your pet dog fell into a hole, would you pull him out of the hole? Of course you would. Because that would be care and that would be love. You wouldn't see it as work. Even if it is on the Sabbath, you'd just do it on the Sabbath. You'd do it on any day because that's care. That's what care does. That's what love does. But when it comes to this man's hand, I want to show you some care. You've got an issue with that? And and you would think maybe, just maybe, they'd be cut to the... Wow, he's got a good point. They're just fuming at him. They're just mad as heck. They're not thinking he's got a point. They think, how can we kill him? The opposition has been intensified. Jesus overcomes the inconvenience. He overcomes the problem and he faces opposition head on. And he says to you and me, will you come and follow me? Which brings me to my fourth point, and that is opportunity requires a response. Jesus has two options. He can take it or leave it. He can take the opposition or he can, sorry, he can take the opportunity or he can miss the opportunity. Jesus, however, not only takes it, he makes a public spectacle out of it. I love this. Jesus is like, psst, buddy, catch up with you after service. I would understand that. I would even put that into the wise category, but not Jesus. Jesus is like, in for a penny, in for a pound. And he takes it on publicly. And he says to this man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. Now, I wasn't there, but I would fully understand if the man with the withered hand showed Jesus his good hand. Because we're good at showing our good side. Now, I wasn't there. I might be using a little bit of preaching license here, but Jesus says, stretch out your hands. It goes, Phew. no, 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 the other one. The one you're hiding. I remember this little season in our son's life, Mitch. He was born with no fingers on his left hand. And there's this little season 
little moment in his life, he kept putting his hand in his pocket. And I, was, I didn't want to say something too soon. And I watched him. He was, he was a kid. And I watched him and I watched him. And I said, hey, Mitch, I've just noticed. So you, you put your little hand in your pocket. Why is that? Because, oh, you're a bit embarrassed. So Mitch, you don't ever have to be embarrassed at your little hand. And now we've got the monster we have today. <laughs> hey, look at me! We're great at hiding our sin. You've only got to look at our Instagram posts. It's all the good stuff. It's all the filtered stuff. How are you doing? I'm great. It's the Adam and Eve moment where we just hide. And Jesus says, no, no, the other one. The withered, manky one. The one you're ashamed of, the one you're embarrassed of, the one that people have teased you about and picked you. Oh, it's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. See, in taking the opportunity, Jesus now gives this man an opportunity. And the question is, is he going to take that opportunity? So by Jesus overcoming inconvenience, by Jesus overcoming the problem, and by Jesus facing the opposition, he now creates an opportunity for this man who also has to face the inconvenience of it. So, ah, oh, seriously, Jesus? I've got to put my hand, really? In front of everyone? Publicly? You're serious? Inconvenient? It's also not only inconvenient for me, it's a problem. When you've got a withered hand, there's no hand to stretch out. So stretch it out. It's like, it's like, it's like a sick joke. It's like looking at a person in a wheelchair and saying, stand up. It's just, it's a sick joke. That's a problem for this man. If I could stretch out my hand, I would. I just can't because it's not there. So he's got a problem. And I imagine he's got some intuition. And so he's sensing the tension in the room. You know that when you walk into a room, you can feel the tension, cut it with a knife. And he's sensing the opposition. He goes, if I do this, I'm in trouble. Even if I get healed, I'm in trouble. He's probably thinking, if they want to kill Jesus, they probably want to kill the guy who Jesus healed. So is it better to be healed and dead or crippled and alive? So this is how I read the Bible. And now he's got a response. He can take it or leave it. There's opportunities everywhere. And Paul says, make the most of every opportunity, Jesus. And he did. Now it's on the guy. You're going to make the most of this opportunity or are you going to talk yourself out of it? And I love what it says. It says the man stretched out his hand. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like, all right. See, the miracle is in the stretch. Not in your comfort. Not in your convenience. Not by avoiding the problem. Not by avoiding opposition. It's always in the stretch. What's the stretch? Inconvenience. Problems. And opposition. That's the stretch. 
I realised expansion 2023 is the worst possible time with interest rates and everything on the rise. But if this was easy, everyone would be doing it. And if we're struggling, how, how much more others? And we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to say, nah, it's too hard. I don't want to be inconvenienced. We have this opportunity, church. But this is not a message just about expansion, although it's certainly a great time because it's expansion. But it goes to every opportunity we have. Because this is what I know. We don't struggle with everything and we don't struggle with every opportunity that comes our way. But we do struggle with some. And I feel like this is a season where God is addressing the some areas of our life. For me, expansion, money and giving has never been an issue. Not for me. That doesn't make me a better person. It just means I don't struggle in that area. I'm so weird, I don't even struggle to say sorry. When I've done the wrong thing, I'll be the first to say sorry. Do you know why that is? I've made so many mistakes, I've had so much practice at saying sorry. <laughs> I've probably had to say sorry more than most. So I just find it very easy. For some of you, it's like, whoa, got an opportunity to say sorry to someone today. You're going to take it? You're going to miss it. So for me, saying sorry, that's never been a struggle for me. Tithing, I settled that as a teenager. Never missed a beat. It's never been an issue to me. Expansion campaign, after expansion campaign, although it's gone by many different names over the years, heart for the house, legacy, never been an issue for me. I don't have to, don't have to think too hard, I don't have to pray too hard. Just, yes, sir. But the struggle is still real for me in other areas. So I'm going to share a story in closing of something that happened to me more recently about my struggle. And what I did in my struggle and the outcome. And it's not a money one because expansion isn't about money, it's about an opportunity. Yeah. And how are we going to respond? Yeah. Now, expansion involves finances, but really it's about how are we going to respond to an opportunity? Are we going to allow the inconvenience, the problem, and the opposition to stop us taking opportunities, whether it's expansion or any other opportunities that come in the next week, month, or year? So we were out with Andrew Stone last Saturday night, just over a week ago. It's fresh. This is a fresh story. <laughs> and we were chatting and having a great time and, and time went on. And then all of a sudden we said, oh, we've got to pick up BJ from work. And so we quickly left the restaurant that we were in to pick her up. We were a little bit late. AKA, we were a lot late. And so we pull up to these lights, just ready to get onto the connector from where we were to where the church is. And there's this car that's broken down. And I look at this girl and the light goes green. And I say to myself, got to pick up my daughter. Justified not helping that girl because I got to pick up my daughter. And in my head went places. I, went, I can't leave my daughter. 
all by herself at night, alone. She's in the restaurant. <laughs> but in my head, I went there. And I just drove off. As I'm driving off, I felt bad. There was enough of a reality to me needing to pick up BJ. So I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm just under my breath. Kath's there. I don't know what God was saying to Kath, but I know when God's speaking to me, don't bring your wife into it. I've tried that. This is God, what He says every time, not talking to her. Whenever I try and bring someone else into my argument with God, He always says, not talking to them. So I looked at Kath, she's just a blue, yeah, yeah. So I thought, okay, this is my opportunity. It's not Kath's opportunity, it's mine. So I praise under my breath, said, Lord, God, give me, I'm so sorry, give me another opportunity. Please give me another opportunity. I kid you not, I, I had no longer just finished praying this prayer, give me another opportunity. And I meant it. I was 100% invested in that prayer. I was earnestly praying. I said, God, forgive me. I felt gutted. Kathy goes, ah, oh, gets a text message. BJ's boss has asked us if we would take another girl home She lives in Salisbury. Now, I've just prayed that prayer. Give me another opportunity. You know what my response was? Oh, so bad. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I'm like, Salisbury's a big place, you know. I'm like, I, I, I'm so bad. Something, how big, and I, I know how big, Salisbury's massive. And Salisbury's not in the direction we live. So wherever it is, it's out of our way. It's an inconvenience to me. And it's a problem because it's late and it's Saturday night and I've got to be fresh for Sunday because I've got to love on God's people. <laughs> I've got all the answers. It's just that they just don't wash with God. And I'm just like in a foul mood. That's stupid. So Cassie goes, well, I've got to answer her. I said, oh, whatever. Anyway, pull up, BJ's there, her friend's there. We get introduced to a friend. Kath goes, okay, sweetie, where do you live? She gives her an address. Kath types it into the Google Maps. This is the first thing I hear on Google Maps. Travel six kilometres along this, I'm like, six kilometres? <laughs> and that's just before we get to the first turn off? Oh, where the heck does she live? Salisbury in Western Australia? <laughs> but I'm driving. I'm being obedient, just not happy about it. I'm grabbing the opportunity, but only just. Anyway, when we finally get to this place, after stopping and filling up the car several times. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> We get to this part of our city that I never grew up in. And I didn't frequent or get to see a lot of. I said, which is your house? Is that one? And I look at it and I'm like, oh my gosh. I, get, I just get this incredible compassion. I, I'm holding back tears. 
BJ's very close to tearing up. As I thought, wow. God's been so good to us. This girl lives in a setting, environment that I know nothing of. That's all she knows. And I'm fighting, kicking and screaming with this opportunity. Thankfully, God is kind. Thankfully, he gave me a second opportunity. And by God's grace, I took it. And what that moment did for me and the conversation we were able to have as a family on the way home was so profound, so impactful, so beautiful. Such a sacred encounter, which is part of our discipleship journey. And I almost missed it. And I saw Jesus in a new light. I saw myself in a new light. And said, God, help me. I don't want to miss opportunities. This conversation, this talk, it's not about expansion alone. It's what you struggle. And if you struggle with money, this is an opportunity to stretch yourself. If you're someone who doesn't like saying sorry, can we use this season to stretch ourselves? Some of you are so bitter, so twisted over stuff that happened years ago. But your miracle is in your stretch. You know, these religious people that watched Jesus said they went away looking for a way in which they could accuse him. That had everything to do with what was in them, not what was in Jesus. Yeah, you can sit over the last few weeks and listen to us talk about expansion and say, it's all about money. The church is about money. And can I say, with all, with all the pastoral care I can muster, that actually has more to do with what's in you than what's in me and this church. We are not a money-hungry, money-based church. We are a people who are passionate to help our community and the people that make it up. And that does take money. But let's not be like the religious people who look for an opportunity to accuse Jesus. Because we can look for an opportunity to accuse the church. Ah, they just want your money. And we're no different than the religious people some 2,000 years ago. There's three main players. There's Jesus. There's the man with the withered hand. And there's the religious establishment. Where are you? Before God, I think I'm the guy with the withered hand just trying my best, trying to grab a hold of opportunities, but I just find it awkward and difficult. But let's look beyond what we think it is. And let's get better at making the most of opportunities we Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.